guest this week is Gavin Riley. He's been doing this project called Gavin Riley Smoke Machine for quite a long time. He'll break it all down in the interview. And he was also a member of Height with Friends for many years. Before we begin, a few announcements. I'm going to be playing two Baltimore shows this week. The first one, Artscape, on Friday the 17th. That's at uh, 1704 North Charles for the Baltimore Rock Opera Society. And on July 18th, playing Ratscape, also in Baltimore at 6 p.m. at the Auto Bar. One more thing for this week. Um, there's going to be a cool tour recap kind of video coming out from the Wraparound Robin tour. So uh, look out for that. The art this week, as always, is by my man Mike Riley. Check him out at MikeRileyComics.com. Being hosted by Splice Today. Check them out at SpliceToday.com. Let's, Let's go, go in. I'm from New Brunswick, New Jersey, which is a little city in New Jersey, in central New Jersey. It's about... Uh, like halfway between Philly and New York. And my parents moved there in the late 70s and still live there. And that was the only house I ever grew up in. I never moved or anything. When I'm there with you, I feel like I don't have any sense of like what New Brunswick is like. I'm like, oh, are we in a city? Yeah, are I we... think that's because it is. Uh, it, ha- it has no identity, really. Mm. Um because it's it's actually changed a lot since I was a kid. Oh, uh, so? Well, there's been a ton of development. Yeah. And it's kind of like a lot of... It mirrors a lot of development that's kind of happened in places like Baltimore and, and Philly and bigger cities in that the two biggest industries there are Rutgers, which is the State University of New Jersey. Yeah. So that's like, um, you know, a really big school. Higher education is is big business now, and there's a lot of hospitals. It's the uh, world headquarters of Johnson and Johnson. Kind of the thing that that's happened in Baltimore, where like large sections of Baltimore are, are kind of getting eaten up by Hopkins. Yeah. Um, kind of same thing is happening, but since it's such a smaller city, it's kind of like, uh. You know, when you eat up a neighborhood in a, a city that's like a square mile large, yeah. it kind of makes a much bigger difference. Yeah. You know, it's it's sort of like, it's mainly just like hospitals and college now. That's right, sort of right. what the downtown area is like. And I think before that, there were there was other industries and stuff. What, if anything, like what was its identity before? I don't know. I, I think it was industrial for a while. Yeah. And, um... And then it was kind of like, you know, uh, a, a rundown spot in the 70s and 80s, yeah. as like all cities were. Yeah. And then it kind of, it got, it's just been perpetually redeveloped. And it's, 
it's not like I don't know. I think it's 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 a weird place. It's like you know, there was a there was a kind of there was this cliff on Route 18, which was like a bunch of brown rocks. Yeah. And they expanded Route Route 18 and widened it, and then they put in like a fake facade of brown rocks, like going all the way <laughs> up the cliff. So it's kind of kind of that that's how that kind of aesthetic. In. Yeah. I have some clue from like riding around in this van bumping these high school mixtapes but like mm. like what kind of music fan were you when i was real young i really into seal i remember that for real yeah that was like one of the first things that i remember being real psyched on but that might have just been because like that was one of the first things i sort of found on my own on yeah. the radio you know and i don't know and then uh, I remember liking the KLF too, mm. and um, and just like kind of anything, you know. Yeah. My parents had a bunch of records, and I like Beatles records and stuff. And yeah. Uh, well, in middle school and stuff, I really started listening to more hip hop, and like harder rock, and like you know, I guess uh, my favorite genre of rock was stoner rock. It kind of seems like what I get from your music taste as a young dude, kind of like the common theme is is weed. Kind of. <laughs> like it'll be like Peter Tosh, Monster <laughs> Magnet. Yeah, yeah. I, and the funny thing is I didn't really smoke that much weed. Mm. Um, I wasn't a stoner myself. I was ne- I've never, like been, never? I've never been a stoner in my life, no. I had I started smoking weed maybe in ninth grade, and then I had a massive panic attack like mm. shortly after I started that, and then, uh, like I was like I'm, I can't smoke anymore. Yeah, like, I can't do any drugs. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess like for some reason, psychedelic stuff always kind of spoke to me. But yeah. I, it, I think it's like, I don't think it was directly related to like. It wasn't like I heard that music on drugs, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just personal preference. Oh, I think yeah, yeah. I think the thing about like stoner rock to me was not necessarily the stoner aspect of yeah. it, but just like cool tuned down guitars, you yeah. know. Yeah. There was like stoner rock bands like in New Brunswick, right? Uh yeah, there I mean they were kind of everywhere, I right, think. Right. Uh but there yeah, there was like there was one band that I really liked when I was in high school, and um, and then I would go see bands like Monster Magnet, like you said, yeah. and Fu Manchu, and uh, but yeah, it's not. I don't know if there was really a scene there. There's always been a a pretty um, healthy music scene in New Brunswick, but like going back all the way to like the '80s, um, like what would it be? Like new wave and like rock bands and stuff. Yeah, like, like there's a a documentary that I watched recently. The only person of note in it really is Matt Pinfield. Let's go. He was a DJ at Rutgers, but um, yeah, and it and it was crazy because it was like there were like four or five music venues, and they would have shows every weekend. Yeah. So there'd be like in a pretty small town. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Like four or five bars with shows that are all like packed out. Totally. I mean that was way before my time, but 
I think that tradition continued. Um, there was a place called the Melody Bar that people speak fondly of there, and um, Bouncing Souls is from there. Oh, yeah. Um, a few other ska and hardcore bands. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't really... I wasn't I wasn't really involved in that scene so much, yeah. but you know I knew that it was around, and there were record stores and stuff too. There were independent record stores, so um, I was kind of surrounded by that at least, even if I wasn't necessarily like a part of a scene. Or yeah, anything. you guys have been all like rapping from a pretty early age, right? Which guys? Like you and and Anthony and, and yeah yeah I think we started uh, writing rhymes probably in like seventh grade or something yeah and that was always that was like our main way of hanging out you know yeah and it was always fun but it was never there was never any idea that we'd like perform it for people or anything mm. it, it was it was very much like um, freestyle tapes for each other to listen to you know yeah but it was fun and it was social and it was creative and it was like that was like i didn't enjoy school very much but like that that was like that was a those are like really fond memories of that time if you could say why do you think it was that you didn't think you wanted to uh because you know because we were you know kids from the suburbs yeah and we were just fucking around and yeah. like we were it was freestyle it was like off the dome freestyle was like was all we did right right so it was like over like com- instrumentals and over instrumentals yeah. yeah so it was like everything was made up on the spot yeah and whatever the you know we do whatever the first take was it stuck that was it. right so right, it's right. like it wasn't good it's right, not like right. good music so <laughs> right. and i don't know i don't know what it was i think later we started writing more rhymes and getting together and actually making beats but that wasn't until um probably after we graduated high school and oh, stuff okay. or maybe like yeah. later in high school but even still it was never like this is the dream this is what we're yeah. gonna do <laughs> you know? was there a dream or not really no i don't think so yeah. like i've always wanted to do different stuff i think i've always wanted to i mean i think i've always wanted to be creative yeah, I've always wanted to make things, and um, but I didn't know what I wanted to make. You know, mm. I didn't know what kind of art I wanted to do or what kind of music I wanted to do. I mean, we made a lot of videos too. That was a, that's like a strong memory for me too of just like fake infomercials. You know, screwing around with a camera and just like, and that was all. And the same thing was like off the dome freestyle. It's like very freeing. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. So. But it was just for ourselves, I think. I think it wasn't until later, until I was really like, oh, wait, I really, maybe if I spent some time working on music or working on art, I can have this thing be the thing that I'm doing. Well, when did that? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's like a, a moment, but I think when me and my buddy Nate from high school started this group called Rowan and Hastings, like, in our early to mid-twenties. Mm. Um, that was when I was like, okay, I really want to perform. Yeah. And I really want to uh, see what happens with this. Yeah. I really want to make stuff that I think is good enough to show people. 
And for those that don't know, what what was? Oh, Rowan and Hastings was kind of like. It's it pains me to say it, but I guess it's kind of like nerdcore sort of. Uh, but like. I didn't know about nerdcore when I started it. I just realized that that's probably the closest thing yeah. it comes to. But it was it was more than that. I think it was better than most. No disrespect, better than most nerdcore. It wasn't just a goof. We were also trying to. I'm not quite sure what we were trying to do, but we were trying to. My buddy, just to my buddy who I was collaborating with, was mainly a comedian and an actor. So yeah. he's, but also one of those dudes I was making you know writing raps with and freestyling with in seventh grade so yeah it was more of a comedic thing and and we performed with live videos always like the videos we projected video and that kind of supplemented the, the yeah. performance or in in one way or another i would say with like say like the rowans and hastings album like i feel like there's moments of it that really like hold up i feel like definitely all this neurocore can just be like burned in the trash heap, and that's what's up. <laughs> that's well, me. That's your opinion. That's, the, <laughs> that's me saying this. <laughs> but like, there's a track where like Nate's like rapping about like being like a professor, <laughs> or right? Like that it's just like so tight. Right. Like, you know. I mean, I should say. I mean, the main the main influence for us. Doing that stuff. And I appreciate you saying that. I feel the same way, too. Yeah. Um, the thing about that project was it was really a performance-based project. Like, mm. you know how you're saying, like, oh, I listened to this, the songs on the album, and they're cool. But I f really feel like it existed in its purest form as a performance with video. That was, like, the complete package. So I feel yeah. like the album and just hearing the music is sort of just a part of it. But I should say... I mean, the biggest influence for for that is is definitely Grand Buffet. Yeah, and like seeing them perform, I feel like that was more. That was probably the most like aha kind of moment I ever had. As you know, how people say like that's when I want to do music. Yeah, or whatever. I, when I was younger, I don't think I really had as strong. Yeah, uh, a a feeling like. Growing up, I was always in joke bands. I was like, I don't want to do music. I don't want to be like a guy in a band. Mm. Um, but I liked it. But I guess seeing them do it, they really rode this great line of being like, A, making really great music, and also being extremely entertaining performers. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny, but it wasn't comedy. Yeah. And I think that that really inspired me. I was like, wow, these guys are really doing their own thing and they found this spot that's like just right for me and uh i think with the rowan and hastings stuff i was like trying to get to a similar point like a place where it's like this will be funny and entertaining but it's not it's not just comedy and i'm i'm glad too that like others on this podcast have have you know claimed them as an influence oh yeah like, totally because they they definitely don't get like the respect they deserve. Yeah. I, feel. I should note too that I made a solo album before that one. If we're going chronologically. Oh. But um, yeah that that was a really cool experience too, and that really kind of solidified uh, the idea that I wanted to do music. And 
I think the important thing to I'm kind of creating the narrative here. Let's the go. important thing to note about that project was that it was purely like an album and I couldn't perform it. So it was kind of like Rowan and Hastings was like this thing that I feel like mainly existed as a performance with the video and everything. Yeah. And then my first project was just a recording project mm. that I couldn't really perform. So I think that kind of led me to where I am now where I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to do something that's going to be a really cool thing on its own, but also a great performance. Yeah. Yeah, that's a wild album. Big stick. Yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah. And it's it's not even like, I don't even really, in a lot of ways, I don't really consider myself a musician. I, I just recruited a lot of people who played music for mm-hmm. that. I recorded them then sang over stuff that they played. Like, yeah. I never was that interested in playing an instrument. I'm much more like, much more of like a production producer yeah. kind of uh, angle on the whole thing. And the reason, just, I, I know nobody's heard it before. The reason is it was so all over the place. It was like many, each song was kind of like a different genre. Yeah. So it was sort of impossible, or it would have been difficult to recreate live. Was it kind of like, frustrating to like do that and be like so no yeah a little bit but like i feel like i learned from it yeah, you know totally and that kind of created the next thing and that made me realize i really wanted to perform that and seeing grand buffet yeah you know those two things were like oh i really want to perform yeah um so, so okay so like the first tour would be the rowans and hastings with yeah, and that was Celebs? that was just like a week long. How did it go though? Um, it was great. It was really great. We played at Wham City in Baltimore with OCDJ and Blood Baby and Jones and Jones too. Yeah. yeah, that was the first day we met. I think. And yeah, I think so. That was that was a really that made a big impression on me too in terms of like. I eventually did move to Baltimore yeah. later, but like seeing what was going on yeah. in Baltimore was like crazy. And then yeah, and then we just went down to Savannah and back. It was fun. It was great. And then and then I was like, oh, I definitely want to tour more after yeah. doing that. So. And did did the choose your own adventure concept already exist? The choose your own adventure thing I'd had in my mind probably since like two thousand. Three or four. Yeah. I didn't do anything about it then. I was working on... I was in a, a project called the T-Shirt and Jeans kind of guys. Oh, yeah. With my friend Hobbs. And we were going to do a Choose Your Own Adventure album. And then we started and we are like, this is way too hard. And yeah. we're like, let's do a simpler concept. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was in Rowan and Hastings. And I was like, let's do the Choose Your Own Adventure. And then we started doing that in maybe 2008 or something and then also realized it was too difficult <laughs> and like what we were making was basically just like a screenplay or something like mm. we were working for months and then it was kind of like wait we've just made a a script with a bunch of dialogue what are we even making music at this point like we were like we had a whole story planned out yeah but we were mainly we started with a script which was it's an interesting way to work <laughs> on an album idea. Yeah, and I imagine that would be hard to accomplish just on its own, like without even getting to the music. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I think that that kind of was like, wow, this is hard enough to do. If 
we were just trying to make a a short film that wasn't a choose your own adventure and wasn't interactive in any way. Yeah. So So then um so yeah, it's been lingering in my head for a long time. At what point were you like, fuck it, I'm just gonna do this? Um, like right after Rowan and Hastings ended. Yeah. I guess that's like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um, and even then I wasn't sure it was going to be a choose your own adventure. I just knew I was going to start another solo project. Like on my first solo album, there were maybe two or three, um, tracks where I was doing rhymes and it was beats more like traditional hip hop. And I think I wanted to do more of that stuff. And, and Rowan Hastings was all all was uh not totally we had we did a like kind of different genres but it was mainly a rap project as yeah well. but in 2009 when when you first started doing height with friends stuff you already had the choose your own adventure set yeah, yeah yeah well that was like but those songs i didn't make those songs to be part of a choose your own adventure it's just like oh I just had some songs off my first album, yeah, and then some other songs I'd made recently. I was like, I'll combine them into a story and make the set a choose your own adventure set. Okay. So I didn't have the story or anything planned yeah. out. I made songs before I had any idea what they'd be used for. So was it crazy, like connecting things, <laughs> like, like were you kind of like really? shoehorning in these connections yeah definitely and i think it didn't really work that well i think people were a little confused by what i was doing i think they liked the fact that i had the audience interact Uh you know how i i I, um give people a choice of what to do next in the story and that's a different song and people like that and it didn't really matter what if it made that much sense or not it seemed (laughs) but i was trying to have it make sense but it was more just like let me see how this works, and then yeah. I'll uh, I'll f- I'll make some songs that actually make more sense as a narrative. Right. I mean, the original idea for the project was that it would be a an album, you know. Yeah. And and then I was like, oh, I could also sort of do it live. I don't remember when I had that idea. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you think? That it would be now, and it would still be, like, in the mix no. back then? No, <laughs> no, I don't know. I have no idea. I started it, and, like, a couple years into this project, I realized it was going to be, it was going to take a really long time, and that, uh, it was kind of hardest in the beginning, because I didn't ha- even know how to make what I'm making now, because I didn't really have roadmap, I didn't really know anybody else who made anything similar to this. I didn't know what it was going to be like. I still don't really know what it's going to be like because it's not totally finished yet. Yeah. Uh, that was hard. It was hard in the beginning to to um, to really like wrap my head around how much work it was going to take. And I just kept telling myself it would take less time yeah. than it did. It's like something I really got to give you props for because like the concept definitely has been again this is me saying this not Gavin Riley I feel like the concept has been done in a whack way within this 
this rap shit like several times. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of because it's like, oh, fuck, like, if we need four endings, we have to, whatever, like, we need 16 right. uh, yeah, choices, or, like, it's, it's like, exponential. Yeah, it's, like, so much work. It's almost like people decide, like, the only way to get through it would be to have it be bad. <laughs> like, you have, like, kind of not good, not, like, great beats and... A really fucking superficial like story right you, you know what i mean yeah and it's like i don't know because i i feel like i definitely like not gave you a hard time but i like definitely was like i think you should wrap this wrap this up <laughs> you know back in like 2010 <laughs> but it's like i feel like it would have just been something that that sucks if you did it in 2010 yeah I don't know, though. I don't know, because I think it definitely wouldn't be as developed as it is now. Right. And I and like you said, there's so many elements that go into it, too. And I and I wanted to focus on all those elements equally, whether it was the music, the story, the choices themselves. I wanted it to be the whole thing. And now the visuals, you know, are very important too. Yeah. the whole. The, it's a visual project now. And back then. In 2010, it wasn't at all. Yeah. And that's a huge component of it. And I want every part to be good. And right. it's like, and to me, that that's kind of what I was saying before, where I don't necessarily feel like I'm a musician. I'm just using, I'm, I'm, I'm doing stuff with music, you know, like I'm making these songs, but then I'm also writing. I'm also like, um, coming up with dialogue, coming up with a plot and, making visuals for it too because i mean i have i have a degree in photography too you know so i have i have like the whole like visuals are you know that's a foundation for me yeah so yeah it's like the whole thing has to be good and that's it's it's more like making a film or or like an indie video game or something like that than making an album something you said to me that kind of made me understand what you're doing more is that you were like, you were like, I kind of just want to always be doing this. Like this project never ends. Yeah. I think I'm coming up on like the 10,000 hours or something. Let's go. You know? So it's like, if that's, if I've put this much time into it, I'm, I know how to do it now. And it's like enjoyable to me. And this is, this is where I feel like comfortable. And this is where my, my this is my medium or something yeah so yeah and the thing because it is a choose your own adventure and there's many multiple endings there it leaves it open-ended to like build on you can put stuff in the middle of the story you can insert you yeah. can make a prequel you can make a sequel uh i mean right now i'm just trying to finish it but like that's 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 all theoretical that's only if like you know we'll see how i feel in five more years the big thing for me was realizing that it's not like you're trying to knock out this project and get it done and then put out like Street Chronicles volume. Right. One yeah. Something. No, I, I don't know. I can't like I, that's something I've always respected about you is like the ability to not just knock out albums, but to like create quality albums like and like that's uh, I mean, that's that's really admirable, you know, and I think it's it's really cool. 
uh, with this project, this is just what I got into, and this is, you know, I there's a reason I'm still going. You know, I didn't, yeah. if I'd given up, maybe it'd be a different story. But like, I really enjoy working in this way. Was there a point where you started to feel like like you're saying these early shows weren't that hot as far as getting the concept over? Like, was there a point where you started to feel like better about it? Um, yeah, once I had visuals, yeah, that made a huge difference, and just coming up with a framework for the story because when I started, I've never written a story before, I didn't know where I was going. I, I thought you just like wrote it from beginning to end, you know, yeah, but you really need to know where you're going, you have to figure out at least a sketch, right? Of right, the right. whole thing, and in this case, you have to have the beginning, the end. Or uh, the beginning, the middle, and multiple endings. Right, right. So, um, so once I had a better idea of where I was going, I could make songs that fit into that better. And then once I had visuals illustrating um, the story, you know, it just gets better like every time. I yeah. Think. And that's what's cool about having my friends who have been watching me do it, like you for a few years. Like every time they see it, it's like it's it's more fleshed out than before. Yeah. Where did you meet John? Like like how did he start coming into the mix with these visuals? Um, I met him. I used to work at the Philadelphia Art Museum as uh, an art janitor, kind of. Oh yeah. I would go around the galleries and dust off priceless works of art, sculpture. He worked there too, and we became friends and. And then he just started doing animation. He took an animation class and was doing some basic stuff. And then I was like, hey, do you want to collaborate? Do you want to make like 30 videos for me? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, cool. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it went. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome that he's stuck with it. Yeah, I yeah, this, his stuff is um, uh is really great and his skills as an animator have improved so much over the time we've been making it. It's mm. it's insane because he really I think he learned a lot about animation through this project. I yeah. think and even when we started that's something we talked about. He's like, "Well, I want to like get better at this, so this is a really this is a doing 30 videos." a good way to start yeah you know, i'm gonna i'm at least gonna learn something totally and like you've mentioned before there's kind of like a big reveal at some point like isn't there some like something that's going to be like online soon or, or? oh yeah i'm gonna put out uh youtube an interactive youtube video in about a month or two um hopefully and that's, I don't know how revealing it's going to be. I think it'll just uh, maybe create more questions than answers because it's, it's about six or seven of the songs and there's, each path has a couple choices. Yeah. Um, so you kind of get a feel for the project. Um, but it doesn't get too deep into the, the, the heart of the story. It's still mm. kind of just like setting things up a bit. Yeah. Um, you know i don't know if anyone's really gonna care about like what happens next i think it'll be more like oh this is a cool thing i don't know if the story is really gonna grab people yet but uh but i'm i'm excited about yeah it. anything else you want to mention 
I did mention you a little bit, but I should mention you as an influence as well. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think um, living with you in Baltimore was like, and you, you know how you were saying, like, how did it, how did it get better? How did you make that transition from sort of like floundering around in the beginning yeah. to being more focused? I think just like, uh, like I said, I'd only really kind of just, when it came to music, I'd only just really screwed around. So to be around you, like someone who's doing it real, real seriously, and as uh, as dedicated as you were, was like a was a huge inspiration. And I feel like you taught me a lot just about like hip hop and music and touring and like all that stuff. Oh, so it was really cool to learn the ropes without having to be the main guy. Yeah, you know, does it, if that makes sense? When yeah. it, especially when it came to touring and performing, like. I feel like, uh, I don't know. I just learned so much about how to be on stage Mm. and like how to pour and, you know, just like tons of little things, tons of little experiences that were like, that were great. And I was glad I didn't go out on my own and necessarily have to like fail to learn those like in a much harder way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I think that that was the biggest thing. But also just, like, musically, too. I mean, it was, like, you know, getting to know your music better and, like, um, really, like, hearing how your... Like, seeing how your process worked, how you put songs together from a sketch to a finished... For, like, you would always play me sketches of songs before they were... Yeah. Like, when they were in a real rough state. And that was, like, really good for me to understand, like, how you plan how you arrange stuff. Um, yeah, and, like, seeing it through to completion, like, from the initial, like, idea to, like, something getting mastered. Like, I just hadn't really had that experience before. Yeah. You know, like, all the music before that was sort of messing around. Yeah, and learning from, yeah, and just, like, hanging out with Mickey and Colin, like, like being around all those people was like, oh, okay, there, and here's other people who are doing it seriously in a different way you know yeah so it was uh yeah that was really important and i wanted to say that to you oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> could have our like uh our louis ck and uh mark Marin. and mark Marin. <laughs> <laughs> and i was always jealous of you too that's the other thing i always harbored secret jealousy of your success <laughs> waiting for my moment mm. To start my own podcast. All right, thanks again to Gavin. I want to say real quick, if you want to follow what he's doing, there's kind of only one place to do it, and that is at GavinRileySmokeMachine.tumblr.com. See you next week.